other week now for, for as long as possible. So that means next week uh, we won't be here. Uh, we will not be outdoors together. We'll be in our missional communities. And if you're not part of a missional community, which are um, gatherings of three to four households around there uh, in people's homes, outside of people's homes throughout the valley, we'd love to help you connect to one. And then the week after that, we'll be outdoors gathering again, and we'll give you more information about what that looks like. Um, two things that we want you to be aware of. One is uh, on August 26th, Amy Berry, who for this summer has been the director of our missional communities, is doing a, a second kind of uh, seminar teaching on what it means to be missional in our everyday life. Um, she had to push that back from a few weeks ago, and so this is the rescheduled date. If you're interested in being a part of that, um, let us know, and we'll make sure we have the right numbers and the right building size or outdoor setting. The second thing is that um, we could use your help um, all for five months now. Um, we have been learning things on the fly and doing a lot of um, production uh, from our church sanctuary or outdoors. Um, and frankly, it's a lot of work on just a very few people. Um, Peter Council has been stepping in and running all of our sound stuff on midweek recordings and on Sunday mornings. And we want help for him so that he can teach you how to do that. This is not a request for the sound experts in the room. This is a request for people who are willing to be taught basic maintenance and usage of a soundboard. Uh, so uh, if you're sitting there saying, I really don't know how to do that, you are not disqualified. You, you have cleared the bar still at that time. If you say, I am not qualified, but I am willing, you are who we are looking for. So would you please come talk to me or come talk to Peter Council? And we will also be pursuing some of you. So if you say, I don't, I, they may come after, we are, we're coming after you. So you might as well just step forward and take the bullet now. Uh, we're looking for people to do it maybe once a month or once every six weeks, something like that. That's what we're hoping for. So please help us out in that way. All right, in John chapter 3, that's where we'll be today in our Jesus With series. This is... Uh, this is a passage that you may be well familiar with. You're probably familiar with at least one verse in this passage. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and that you do not understand these things? 
Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank You for this Word, for the Word of God spoken to us, spoken for us. We pray that our hearts would be soft, that we would be able to converse with You. And unlike Nicodemus in this moment, we pray that we'd understand, that we'd see You and we'd believe. We love You, Jesus, and we thank You that Your love has run ahead of us and come and swept us up. Amen. This is, a, uh, this is a very famous story. Uh, Nicodemus is this, uh, this guy who is in, in charge in some ways of teaching because of his role, because of his training in his office. And he comes to Jesus under the cover of night. John puts details like this on purpose. He, he plays in his whole gospel with this, this motif of, of darkness and light. And Nicodemus has come to Jesus under the cover of darkness. G- Nicodemus is an admirer of Jesus. Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, Hey, you're great. Uh, clearly God is with you. And Jesus here deals with Nicodemus the way that he continues to deal with admirers. Jesus is not so much interested in you being an admirer of him. He is interested in you being a lover of him. And you have to rightly see and understand who he is to rightly love him. And so in many ways, he rejects Nicodemus's admiration and he exposes it for its insufficiency. It is not enough. He tells Nicodemus this series of things that on its face makes no sense compared to what Nicodemus has come to him to say. Nicodemus says, man, you're pretty great. And Jesus, out of hand, turns the conversation in a wildly unexpected direction. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it's important to let those words kind of hit you for the absurdity that they apparently are. They are silly words. They do not make sense to Nicodemus because there is no language of being born again. 
in Nicodemus's day. That's for us now kind of religious, churchy language. That language does not exist for Nicodemus. When he hears, you must be born again, he is being told, you must be birthed by your mother once more. And Nicodemus's response is, what? I... How does that... There appears to be a geometry problem here. And then Jesus says again, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he starts clarifying for Nicodemus. But again, in language that is unfamiliar to Nicodemus, that something has to happen to him so that he can rightly see and understand. And Jesus is going to continue to say to Nicodemus, you do not see correctly. You do not have a clear vision of what is in front of you. And Jesus starts to narrow everything down upon him. And what he says is, the only way you can basically get up to heaven is to hear from the one who has come down from heaven. The only way that you can ascend is to see the one who has descended. He is the only one that can go up and down between heaven and earth. And then Jesus gives an example from Israel's own story, because remember, Nicodemus is a teacher of Israel, and he gives a story from Israel. Israel's story and says this is what must it must be like and he calls back this time in in Israel's wanderings in the book of numbers when they had disobeyed God they had been judged by God and these snakes came out of everywhere these venomous snakes and bit people and they were burning up with this poison in their blood and God told Moses make a snake out of bronze, put it on a stick, and lift it up. And the book of Numbers says, whenever the people of Israel looked on the snake, they were healed of the poison. And Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus is telling Nicodemus and he's telling everyone who hears these words, you have poison coursing through your veins. And what Jesus is doing in front of you is not asking for your admiration. He is demanding that you see him as the only one who can save you from certain death. And death is not coming one day for you. Death is already in your veins. You have been bitten by a poisonous serpent from long ago. And you are in the midst of dying. So Jesus is going to come to you and He's going to say the same thing that He's saying to Nicodemus. Get out of here with your, I really respect you. Get out of here with your smart. Get out of here without you're, you're a good teacher. God must really love you. Get out of here with that nonsense. You are dying. You are in many ways already dead. You need for me to save you. And that's then why he explains that he's come. In the very famous verse, 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. You are in the midst of dying without Him. And God did not send His only Son into the world to stand over you as you suffer and die and to laugh in your face and to point His judging finger at you and say, this is what you deserve. Now die. He instead sent His only Son because He loves you and He wants you to live. Now, a lot of people have read John 3.16, have sort of pasted it on their coffee cups and t-shirts and eye black and baseball bats and cleats and whatever, and have used it as their spiritual life insurance policy so that one day when they die, they will have hope that as their last breath escapes their body, they will hopefully not go to the bad place. But the death thing, the perishing, won't happen. And that is certainly part of what Jesus is saying. But what he is more fully saying is, you are already invested in death. Listen to how he talks going forward. He says, if you have rejected Jesus, you're already judged. If you don't love and trust Him, you're already in darkness. You're not standing in a place of neutrality in your life and getting to the end of your life and then hoping to go to the good place or the bad place. So get your life insurance from Jesus Incorporated. What he's saying is you are already the ones with poison flowing through your veins. You're already the ones living in darkness. You are already tangled up in the kingdom of death. And what you need, Nicodemus... What you need, everybody who hears this, is for Jesus to rescue you. The words of Jesus are perpetual confrontation for all of us. If you have come here and you know what church is all about, you've lived your whole life in church and you know all the answers and you're a good person and all of those long list of things, but you are still in the same position that Nicodemus was where you say, Jesus, pretty good guy. Jesus is going to say to you, maybe for the first time again in whatever 30 years of going to church and be a good person, get out of here with that. Not enough. You have to come to Him as the only one who can save you from certain death. And maybe you've been around Christians. Maybe somebody pulled you in here for some reason. And you've never heard this. That God is not primarily concerned with you being a knowledgeable, decent, God-respecting-ish kind of person, but that instead He wants you to come to Him as the only source of life. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard that. Whether you are somewhere on that spectrum, whether you've heard this a thousand times or for the first time, the answer for everybody is still the same. It is that God was crucified for you because He loves you. 
John Calvin, when he's writing about this passage, he says that when the assault of the devil comes, which is, again, not just when you breathe your last, but now, when the assault of the devil comes, this is your only shield. The only shield that God gives His people is the crucified and risen Jesus. And if you have been living your life continuing to believe that if you've been good enough, that this is ultimately what will provide the antidote to the poison in your veins, if, if your own morality, your own goodness, your own knowledge is in that moment of crisis, what will save you in the moment of your need? You are being stripped of that by Jesus this morning. The only shield that God gives His people is the crucified and risen Jesus. I'm not asking you this morning to come be a member of our church and to give money and to be a good person and to put on a costume. I am pleading with you on behalf of Jesus to come and be saved by Him. I am pleading with you to see that you are not okay. And the truth is, most of us know that. Somewhere deep in our bones, we know we are not okay. And if you are a Christian, and you love and you trust Jesus, and you are mortified and horrified and ashamed by still not being okay, you still need Jesus. And He will never stop being the one who is your only shield and source of life. That life that He wants to give you is not for over there on the other side of the grave. It is now. And the only eternal life that God intends to give you is His own life. So if you are tangled up in death and destruction and anxiety and fear and shame and repulsion at yourself and you're still a Christian and you are so confused and discouraged, the answer is still the same. It's Jesus. It's only ever been Jesus. The poison in your blood is flowing through your veins and it's only Jesus who provides the antidote. He is only Jesus who provides the salvation. So if you are at this stage in your life as a Christian in despair, the words of John 3, 17 are still for you. God did not come into the world to condemn you, but to save you. The condemnation that is ringing in your ears is not from the mouth of God. It is from the serpent that bit you. And it is the elevated, ascended, descended, ascended, descended Son of God who sidles up to your side and says it is because He loves you that He intended to save you then and again and again and again and again to the only life that you know is His own life. There is nobody in here exempt from Jesus' declaration. You are dying without Him. And there is nobody in here who is exempt from the offer of His salvation. This morning, the call is for you the same as it was to Nicodemus. Put aside your admiration. 
Put aside all your credentials and let Jesus come heal you. If you have been very far from Jesus and everybody knows it, if you snuck into this under this roof and you know that everybody knows what you've been doing, you are not exempt from the God who will save you from the serpent's bite. And if you are somebody who has been hiding and nobody knows how you have been living for yourself, how you have wrapped the chains of slavery around yourself and you have sought out the serpent's bite again and again, you are not exempt. And Jesus can save you again. The people of God have the perpetual pledge of God, God's covenant promise to you that though you fail Him, you are His own and He will not fail you. And if you are coming and stumbling back again and again to God and saying, I failed you again, I failed you again, He will look at your failure and all He will see is His son or His daughter because of the work the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. His salvation is for His children, not just once, but forever. If you carry the weight of shame and sin this morning, would you come be free? Would you let Jesus free you from the death that's flowing through your veins? Would you let Him continue to counteract that poison and put His own life inside of you? I'm going to pray for us this morning. You are not too young or too old. It is not too late or too soon. Today is the day that Jesus is riding in to bring you His loving life that overwhelms the power of death. Lord Jesus, we thank You. We thank You. We thank You. That the inquirer, the skeptic, the admirer is not cast aside by you. You cast aside our admiration and our questions and our doubts. And you say, I want all of you. I don't want just part of you. I don't want, I don't want you, you just your admiration. I want you to love me. I want you to let me love you. Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody in this room, young and old, people who are so aware of their sin, and people who are barely, barely coming to grips with it. I pray that they would see you lifted up on the cross and see in you their salvation. Father, I pray that you would console those who are buried under the weight of shame and condemnation and speak the word of the gospel to them that they are forgiven and they are free in you. I pray, God, for those who are yet living lives of hard-heartedness, who in their pride are content to admire you and content to be a partner with you, content to be a good person who holds hands with you. And Father, I pray that you will drive them into the profound discomfort of knowing the truth about themselves 
that they would despair of having hope in themselves and instead be given the better hope of hoping in you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would make everyone in this room one who lifts up their hands in love and surrender and is born anew by your Spirit into your kingdom. Where the serpent is crushed finally and forever. I trust that you can do this, that you will do it by your Holy Spirit. Amen.